everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Celtic View podcast. This week we are back in the studio after a week away being in Australia for the Sydney Super Cup and I've got Paul Cuddy, Celtic View editor, back alongside us. Paul, how have you been? Yeah, I should emphasise again it's the Royal Week because <laughs> I stayed here in the cold of Glasgow while you were over in the, the sunshine of Sydney. Yeah, we did get hailstones on the first day which was, it was actually quite funny because we had a big event on for all the the Sydney press for a kind of welcome event for all the Celtic team. Um, asked the manager some questions. Uh, so the whole Celtic team came down. It was like right in the Sydney Harbour, underneath the Harbour Bridge, looking behind to the, the Sydney Opera House. And the day was honestly, it was like early 20 degrees and things. And as soon as it started, the biggest hailstones I've ever seen in my life just started chucking down. It was the quickest press conference ever, in and out. Um, and then ten minutes later, it was it was back to normal. So we got a bit of the Glasgow weather. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't all sunshine when we were away, but a good trip, nonetheless. Um, it's been strange because obviously there's been no Celtic first team action. Um, obviously, I was there for the, the Sydney Super Cup, so I got a bit of the fix. So, how have you been without your, your Celtic first team fix here? I mean, I think it is strange, and I think everybody finds it strange because suddenly you're into November, December, well, almost into December, and there's no domestic football, and it's, it's such an unusual experience. I think the fact that the World Cup's on, so there is wall to wall football, does kind of lessen the, the impact because you're still able to watch football and you're, you're seeing some you know big names and, and obviously there's a few Celtic players in action as well. But I think like everybody, by the time we get to, towards December the 17th, we'll be desperate just to see the team back in action again. I know, it's going to be, it's going to be very exciting to get that back up and running. But in the meantime, uh, since there's been no first-team action since we've been away, this has come out, Paul. The brand new Celtic View, the Christmas edition. It's always a, a bumper edition. And in this podcast, we're going to bring you a couple of interviews from this year's copy. How do you how do you like the look of it? Are you, are you happy with, with, with what's come? What's yeah, come but really pleased with it. Um, I mean, it's always, obviously the Celtic View now is a, the quarterly magazine. It's changed from the weekly. And, you know, we've been pleased with the way, it's just a totally different way of doing the magazine. I think with 24-7 news with with all the, the different websites and blogs, etc. and podcasts. It's difficult to produce a weekly magazine for the club because almost as soon as you've written it, even before it's, it's published, it's out of date because things move so quickly. Whereas a quarterly magazine allows you to, to maybe take a step back from the day-to-day action and allows us to do different features and interviews uh, on subjects and, and with people that maybe we wouldn't ordinarily be able to do. And it's always, say, the Christmas issue has always been really popular. I think people do use it as a, as a stocking filler as well as, as reading it themselves because, you know, there's so much packed into it in terms of interviews, features, some amazing competition prizes as well, which our club sponsors always provide for us. So um, there's something f- for everyone. And we also answer that age-old debate over whether Formula One is a, is a sport or, or not. And so, But you have to read the, the view to find out. Yeah, I'm not happy that my name's involved in the few of the answer you put into that one because, as you know, I am a fan of Formula One. Um, last week in the podcast, we had an interview with Josip Janovic, a shortened version, and you can read the full thing in the, the Christmas edition. And, and this week's episode will, will bring you more, and so next week's podcast will bring you some more of them as well, just to give you a flavour of what's inside it. But why don't we give people a bit of a run-through, Paul, of, of what they can expect with the magazine? 
Yeah, the, I mean, the way we normally break it down is we'll start with the, you know, the first team interviews. So we always have a, a catch up with the manager. And it's a kind of more reflective piece on maybe how the first half of the season's gone and maybe looking ahead to the second half of the season. So he's kind of talking more about actually the, the kind of responsibility he feels as, as the manager of of this club and, and the expectations of the fans and the kind of football that the things that he's, he's spoken about before, but the kind of football he he believes that his team should play and the reasons why. And then we've got interviews as say with Josip Juranovic. We ask people for the questions to send in for Real Hitati, so that's in it as well. And then we also every year at Christmas we ask one of the players to, to it's a, a kind of musical feature. We ask them to choose some of their favourite songs. Uh, their favourite Celtic song, favourite Christmas song, etc. So this year, Matt O'Reilly, who we knew is really into his music, partly through his dad, who who, who is a singer-songwriter and plays in bands. So he, he, you know, it was quite interesting, and you know, people might have seen already in the website that Matt O'Reilly's got a very special song that he, he chooses for his, his Christmas song because it's a song that his dad wrote, and it's it's actually a decent Christmas song as well. So. <laughs> Um, so that's that's really interesting. You've had it in your head in the office, haven't you, quite a few times? Well, I mean, you know, I think Christmas songs go one or two ways, and um, <laughs> that one is actually it's actually quite. When he when he told us about it, and so obviously the first thing you do after the interview is you go and and you go and find out about it, and it's actually it's a decent song. So I'm not sure it'll be about Christmas number one, but he's probably the only player that's ever going to be able to choose a song that his dad wrote. So I, which I think in itself. It's quite nice. Yeah, I think for that alone, it's it's worth it's worth getting your hands on a, a copy. We've also got other types of interviews as well, not just with first team players, with with celebrities or well known faces in the music industry and beyond who are Celtic fans. And also, I think one story that I think we we both got very excited about the one with Callum Ferguson, the old flatmate Ryan Christie. Maybe explain a bit about that one. Yeah, well, it's it's quite timely actually, given that the, the World Cup's on. So, so basically, what had happened was ahead of playing um, Livingston, I was doing some research into the opposition and John Nobley, who plays up front for them. And it just so happened I looked and he, he he's been capped six times by Cascadia, and I'm thinking, what on earth is that? I've never heard of that. And so it turns out they're actually a team that represents a region of it's Washington D.C., Oregon, and British Columbia and Canada, and. It's actually a team, and there's a, there's a lot of them that represent different regions or peoples that aren't affiliated with FIFA, but they're affiliated with this other organisation called Canifa, and they have an alternative World Cup. So that was quite an interesting story, and then when we were talking about it in the office, and we dug a little bit further, and we, we noticed that one of the players that played for Cascadia was a Callum Ferguson, which is obviously a very Scottish name, and it turns out that he, he is actually Scottish, but more than that, he's he's one of um, Ryan Christie's best friends and used to be his flatmate when Ryan Christie played for Celtic and Callum played for Albion Rovers and he'd actually at the time he'd, he'd made the papers because he'd scored a goal for Albion Rovers back in 2017 which set up a, a cup tie against Celtic anyway we, we got in touch with Callum uh, to, to chat through his Celtic connection with Ryan Christie Cascadia but it turns out he's also he's a Gaelic speaker and they have an organisation called FC Sonus which is all to do with uh, helping, encouraging people to learn Gaelic through sport. But they're also in the process of trying to set up a, an FC Sonus team that becomes affiliated with Kanifa. Effectively means in the next Kanifa World Cup in 2024, we could have a Scotland team to, to support. So it's a, it's a fascinating story. And then when we're looking at some of the, the teams, as I say, you know, teams that represent certain people, 
regions, etc. It's kind of similar to, you know, like Catalonia and the Basque region have a team. They're not affiliated with Canifa, but it's that idea. Um, and he's a, he's a really, really fascinating guy. And, you know, they're really they're quite driven in terms of how they want to see FC Sonas developing and using football as a way of continuing to encourage people to speak Gaelic. It's a, it's a really brilliant story, and particularly given the fact that the actual World Cup's on just now, it, it's really interesting. I think that sent us down a rabbit hole that day, didn't it? We were <laughs> Absolutely. Just, I was searching to see if there's any countries I could play for potentially, and we were all just <laughs> we were all trying to figure out this whole competition. But it's it's well worth a it's well worth a read. I think um, in terms of some of my my favourite bits in it, I think that's definitely one of them. Um, the Real Tati Q and A as well is is quite fun because we asked some of the burning questions which which you wanted answered about maybe why he doesn't completely bend over in the huddle and why he does certain things before. That's the a game really interesting off. answer. That actually, when he explains why he doesn't kind of completely cure in with the huddle, it makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. His explanation. Yeah, so well well worth a, a read for that alone as well. Um, and the, as you said, there's plenty of competitions and, and quizzes as well. Maybe just run through a couple of those. Yeah, I mean, every year, uh, Daffabet, um, for the last few years, which is absolutely brilliant, they, they basically give us their hospitality box for a, a first-team game. So I think the game this year is the Livingston game in February the 1st, I think it is, a midweek game. Basically, it's hospitality for you and nine family and friends. It's an incredible prize, and it's the full hospitality. You're there, you, you, you get your, your meal beforehand, you know, the hospitality drinks, you have got seats in the... The director's box in the main stand. It's a it's a brilliant prize, and I know from last year, and, and I remember I can't remember what game it was, but you went down and you took photographs yeah. of the the winners, and it's it's an experience that most of us never get the chance. So if we go to the games, we're just we're sitting in the stand just alongside fellow fans. So for most of us, we never get that opportunity to experience the hospitality, and, and as I say, Daffabet have been absolutely brilliant and and giving us that every year. Um, so it's a competition. It's really there's a question to answer, and then there's just a, you have to give a short maybe explanation of why you think you should you should be the person or the person you want to give it as a prize to. Um, so that's a great prize. Adidas have given us um, several sets of football boots that are signed um, by I think it's either Cameron Carter, Vickers, Jota, or Josip Juranovic, which again, as as Celtic fans, they're amazing prizes. Um, intelligent car leasing they've given us a couple of prizes a, a, a tour of the stadium for four people but also a mascot prize for one of the home games so again that's one where I think parents or guardians would, would nominate somebody you know whether that's their, their child or, or you know a child they know of a certain age I think it's between 5 and 14 that you can be a mascot so again that's that's something that I think for a young Celtic fan would just be like the most I can't even begin to imagine how amazing that must be to be a mascot at a game. So those those are great prizes, and it's always the sponsors really come up with the goods every year. And that's the, the kind of sponsorship team here at Celtic uh, are really brilliant in helping us. Yeah, you're not fancying your chances of becoming a mascot, no? Well, do you know it's funny? I I have um, my wife's cousins. They're all St Mirren fans, and St Mirren used to up until maybe about four or five years ago, you could as an adult be <laughs> mascot. So. My wife's cousin, he was meant to be, I think it was maybe for his 30th birthday, he was going to be the mascot at St but the previous mascot, I think, had maybe enjoyed too much of the <laughs> pre-match hospitality and got a bit overcritical of the players in the tunnel. So I think the club after that said, we better just stick to children as mascots. <laughs> oh, I'd love to see that one. That'd be brilliant. And yeah, that Daffodil Prize, 
I don't think I've, I've seen a, a happier group in my life when I went into that lounge to take a picture of them. Because it's always funny, like, going in and you know, you're expecting everyone to be like, yeah, that's fine to, to get a picture of them. But honestly, they were like, oh, that's great. Like, we've got, we've got beers, what to say for them? Like, Is that why you never appeared that day? <laughs> yeah, my match report that day was a little bit, <laughs> a little bit uh, hit and miss. Um, but no, it's a, it's really, it's a, it really is a great read. And people can buy it in Celtic stores on the website and there's an offer as well at the moment. Yeah, so it's it's only available in Celtic stores. So all Celtic stores, you can get it. It's available online. But also, uh, while stocks last, if anybody's buying, if they're on the online store at Celtic and if you buy anything over £60, the, the Celtic view is automatically added to your basket for free. So it's actually, you, you get that as, as an extra. So it's, it's well worth, and I know a lot of people, particularly obviously at this time of the year, are, are online um, buying things for, for Christmas presents. So that's just an extra thing as well. And it, it's great for us because obviously then it just means more and more people are reading the Celtic View, but then obviously for people who are already going to be you know, buying things um, for Christmas, then it's just an extra wee stocking filler for you. So yeah, definitely get your hands on one of the latest Celtic View Christmas editions. Now to warm you up, to give you a little flavour, of what is inside. A couple of weeks ago, I sat down and caught up with LF System, the music duo who hit the charts earlier this year with their hit single, Afraid to Feel, which went to number one in the UK charts and stayed there for a massive eight weeks and broke tons and tons of records. The pair are both from West Lothian and they've got a celebrity friend as well who you'll soon find out. And they're both massive Celtic fans. So let's hear from the guys now. Uh, absolute pleasure to have the guys from LF System, Colin and Sean, here. Honestly, great to get you in. We're going to chat all about your music and what this last year's really been like for you. But first of all, let's let's address the elephant in the room. We're sitting at Celtic Park, so clearly that means there's a reason behind that. <laughs> Both big Celtic fans. Absolutely. Just talk to us a little bit about that. Uh, lifelong Celtic fans, seeing ticket holders. Uh, it's, that's part of us, that's what we are. Uh, yeah. How's it feel? Can I sit sitting here and having this view behind you? It feels mad. It was weird seeing it out there. Yeah, <laughs> that is brilliant. It's uh, what probably the best place we've had done an interview. So yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. We'll, we'll take that. We'll take that. <laughs> we'll get into a bit more about Celtic later on, but um, kind of just need to need to talk about the music and what a year it's been for the for the two of you this year. Um, afraid to feel was it eight weeks at number one in the UK? Eight just just. Think back of where you were maybe at the start of the year to to where you are now. Like, how does it how does it feel for you both? Uh, it's so surreal. Everything's changed. Like, we were still working our day jobs the week before the to feel came out. So, and then six months down the line, we're sitting at Celtic Park. Oh, so, I love you. Uh, so it's, it's been so surreal, but it's the best feeling ever. So, what was the day jobs then? What, what were you doing? I was a roofer. You were a roofer. Uh, I was up, uh, up the cold roofs. Okay. Uh, and so. I worked in a petrol station. So. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going from doing the roofs one week to then the next week Afraid to Feel comes out and... It was literally the, the, the following week that, um, week that I left when it came out, so, and then it... Obviously, it took, it took a wee while, but... And then it obviously went in the charts and then done its damage. <laughs> and now I'm sitting here and... So, see, when you're doing the, the roofing then, are you thinking, like, I don't know, how long were you doing that for? For a while? About six, uh, six years. Six, okay. Seven, six years, aye. Okay. So, so you're obviously in that thinking this is potentially what you're going to be doing for, for quite a long period of your life. So, to I, be mean, I, don't, I was like, 
Constantly, the boy I worked with, like, no, I'll not be here for much longer. Right, I'll okay. not be here for much longer. And he's like, don't talk rubbish, you'll be, you'll be the same age as me and still here. And he was obviously older. But, but um, I worked it all right, so. Yeah. Didn't know bad still. Hopefully and we don't. Uh, for yourself then, at doing the stuff at the petrol station, how long were you doing that for? Uh, seven or eight years I was there, so okay. I left school, went to college, and then went, went walked there. I was like, this is be a couple of years I'll be here, and then I'll go be, I'll be a DJ. And then six, seven, or seven, eight years down the line, I'm still there. And I'm starting to panic a bit. <laughs> <laughs> but luckily you've had a bit of a talent to, to get you out of that and, and get you the, the success that you've had already. Um, just talk to us about Afraid to Feel then. It's just, it just completely blew up. I mean, you actually wrote that song quite a few years before that. Or you put it together a few years before. So why do you think it took that, that length of time before it ended up sort of taking off? Well, I was 2019 when we first made it and it was... It's quite different to how it is now, but I think there was a case of we weren't signed to a major label and pe people didn't really know who we were. So it was a combination of just like getting it to the right people and, and like getting out to the masses. So, and it's also I think the combination of just before summer and it was the first like summer after lockdown. So it's a perfect storm for everything coming together. Yeah. So talk to us about the moment and then you start to see it climbing up the charts and then the day arrives, it goes to number one. What? Where were you? What happened? How much did you party uh, after that? I went in number... First of all, I went in at number 69. You were celebrating that. I was celebrating that. <laughs> I got mad for that. What? And then... Uh, and then it went to... What was it? 13, I think. Was it, I was in 17? Something like that. But I just, I just kept climbing up. And then I think when it got to about 13... We were in the pub together. Um, doing videos and that, celebrating. <laughs> getting that upset, Stephen. <laughs> like, yeah, it's got to be what's happening. And then it just kept going and going and going and it went to number one. And I was actually in Greece at my sister's wedding. And uh, I had to fly back. We all met in London. I had to fly back early and then we had a big party in London and just went mental. It was, it was brilliant. I had, to, I had to cancel your sister's wedding. Uh, I was like, yeah. <laughs> did you leave it then? I did. Well, she had already got married though, but I left the actual the whole day early. So. Well, if there's one, if there's ever a reason to, to get away from something like that, then that's it, getting your first ever number <laughs> well, one. Then. The, the family, oh, just getting the swole, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, But then not just to get to number one, it's like they always say it like in football, it's always tough to get to the top, but then harder to stay there. Eight weeks, I mean, that's that's amazing. Like, did you, at what point did you did you just start to think, like, how, how, is this, how is this happening? How is this staying at this level? I think, I, like, I think... When you're, when you're in it, you don't really take it in. It's just all happening at the same time you're doing, you're here, there and everywhere doing stuff. And then I think it was like, and then six weeks or something, you're going like, again, six weeks. Or even like after this third week, you're still going, this is, how's this still happening? And then you just keep going and going and you're just like, this, is, this isn't this the deal. Yeah. But, and after the fact, after, after it's finished, you're going, that was a bit mental, wasn't it? You've got to take a step back and look at it. What was it like then that first weekend when it's not number one? You're just like, oh, that's it. I felt hard, I felt hard done by it. Like, <laughs> What's going on? This is the night. I felt like ours, and they actually get it. <laughs> yeah. What was the um, what was the, sort of the, the biggest contender that was trying to knock you off? Because Kate Bush was around at the time, wasn't it? With the old Stranger things. Uh, we actually knocked up. We, we took hers, and then obviously we were against Drake, and then I think I then obviously Beyonce. Uh, Drake, Beyonce. Uh, Harry Styles, George Ezra. Harry Styles, too. Uh, yeah. We've got a few contenders, but couldn't be us. Top at the top. <laughs> Brilliant. And it's been talking about the, the rise in the last year, but really, in general point, it's, it's been quite a rise for yourselves because it's only what, three years since you started working together. Yeah, three years. We're, so right, we're always doing wee bits, mm. but 
actually like a zealous system for uh -huh. years. Mm -hmm. We were kind of doing, we went from being like Lapman and Finnegan and, and then obviously we'd done a wee hi the hybrid thing before that and we were always back to back doing things. So we were always kind of together but never actually official like a, a wee couple, a wee duo. <laughs> but um, I know it's been three years, eh? Aye, three years. So what made you get together then? What was the kind of, the, the process behind that? Cause I, like Colin says, we'd always be in clubs playing back to back with each other and we would send each other tunes and like, do you want to finish this song? And then Colin would send me his and he's like, do you want to finish this? So well, and I used to go to his house and we used to like make songs together. But it was always like separate. We used to just put our own names on it and stuff like that. And then eventually, why don't we just do this together? It makes more sense. It makes, it makes travelling easier and stuff like that. And <laughs> uh, it takes the pressure off a wee bit, so. And so where, how long do you two go back? So you kind of from the same area, from from knowing each other before the music as well? Aye, I think about 10 years now. Aye, we're both from West Lothian, so, mm. and uh, we used to play football against each other. And we were in like the, the West Lothian League. But we didn't really know each other. So it wasn't until we started going out to clubs and stuff like that that we started bumping into each other because our friends were friends and stuff like that. So I had about 10 years probably, aye. Who was a better player? Me, yeah, I certainly have. Are you right? No, <laughs> get a body, eh? <laughs> I get a body and go to the other, so. And then, in terms of like your actual, both you individually, the start of your kind of careers or, or DJing as well, where did that inspiration come from for, your, for yourself, Connor? Um, DJ, like when I got, I, got, I think it was when I got, got to about 16, I obviously had it in my head. I, was got, I wanted to be a footballer. And then I obviously got started getting into music. And then, uh, and then obviously I've been brought up with music and stuff like that, and all the, in my family and they're in bands and quite musical and stuff like that. So I just something, when I realised that it was a, that I enjoyed that type of music, I was just like doing it as a hobby. And I was like, no, what I did. I went to, I actually went to the cab all night and I seen Dennis Alter play, and then I was like, there was something clicked in my brain, and I was like, that's what I do. So, uh. Did you ever think back then, though, that you would. I get to this point, no. no. I was uh, dreamed about it, and obviously talked rubbish to people about it, like, when people up, I'm going to do it easy. But I actually believe it, I was like, no, it's not happening. <laughs> Especially if you're numb to it, but. <laughs> but I'm at but have it happened, so. Yeah, what about yourself, Sean? I, I think I knew pretty well, I was the same kind of. We used to play football, obviously, so you wanted to be a footballer, but when you realise you can't do that. It was like always into music at the same time. And I uh, used to watch like these YouTube videos of DJs playing big stages and all that. I was like, oh, that looks amazing, I'd love to do that. So I always kind of knew. And I feel like I, I feel like deep down I knew it would sort of work out, but I could never like predicted like all oh, this. And I mean, there's something in the, the water with this loading, because I know that you're a pals with Lewis Capaldi, I think. You used to quite pally from when you were really uh, young, yeah? younger, I was uh, first year in uh, high school, so. Must be amazing for for yourselves to see the success he's had and for him to see the success that you guys are having as well and to kind of be in that journey together. Do you ever kind of sit and talk about that and just think, look at where we came from and where <laughs> we are funny. now? He gets more excited than us about, about our situation, it's funny. I know, because we do, like, do talk about it sometimes, we sit there and guess the matter was off the same area and like, uh, she was, when we were on the charts, he was, he was always checking, he was the first to check when we were on the charts and he was, he was mere buzzing than we were. <laughs> <laughs> well. He's beating management and that to like tell us like we were in position, he was like, He's already told me, and then they would be like an hour later. He's like, I'm already now. Because when he first started like really making his name kind of the mainstream was maybe what like three years ago as, as well, maybe 2019, 2018, 2019. I whenever when someone you loved went, yeah, number one, that's when yeah. it really popped off. I. So I take it obviously you guys were following his success, maybe travelling with him, things like that. So were you just like going around with him thinking, oh, I want to bet this myself. The way I don't know actually, because he gets it he gets it really bad to be honest, he can't even move, getting pictures and that. 
guy. I mean, dinner and people come up and <laughs> so I'm like, that's a bit too much for me. But uh, no, obviously it was amazing. And I've seen him play these big, massive gigs, and then obviously uh, all the rewards, uh, him getting a free drink everywhere and, that, and <laughs> <laughs> private planes everywhere and that. So that's good. I know. But it just shows you it's possible, like for your, for your form, like a wee place like with those, like with those in that you can do it, and like you know what I mean. Yeah, a hundred percent. And do you think it's something you'll ever gonna collab with him or something? I don't know. It's two, maybe two different genres, but <laughs> is there a wee something there eventually? Maybe. Hopefully, so we can buy a house. <laughs> 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 what you say, uh, if he makes it a wee bit happier, I will say. Why don't we chat a wee bit more about Celtic then? Um, Sean, we were just chatting before we came up here. You said you've had a season ticket since you were was it five? Ah, it's about that. Aye. Yeah. So. Obviously, both fans for, for such a long time. Just take us to, Sean Sack yourself, your kind of earliest memories of, of Celtic and coming to games. Anything sort of stand out to you? Uh, I think, I remember being at the games and like this, the whole, I remember being a wee boy and the whole, the whole stands was shaking and I was terrified. And my, my brother was exactly when he was younger. I mean, that's like a big memory. Just, like, just come with your, your family and your dad and that. It's just great. It's just yeah. like, uh, that's, it's hard to remember like that far back, but. I've got so many what, good memories What team would that have been back then? When you, you first started so c- coming, like the Martin O'Neill era? Aye, it yeah. would have been aye, would have been, yeah. So I was obviously successful I mean, was really as good, well, aye. so it was a good I mean, time that, to that get, was, start was, getting involved. I know, it was an unbelievable team, aye. That was, that was my era, I think I'd say, especially at that age. What about yourself, Conor? What are your kind of early memories of coming to Celtic games? Well, and me and my, well, my dad used to have a season ticket and he used to take my sister. Obviously when I got old enough, she got popped off and I used to come. So I remember it. I, obviously, I was the same Martin Neal's team. Obviously, I had the um, the plastic laughing mask. I used to wear it to every day. <laughs> and uh, I used to collect like, you know, the badges that, when, that they're selling it, they sell all the wee badges. Still, used to take me down to the thingy, but I just put some of my warm up and that, my wee mask on. That's why I remember. That's my earliest days. Eh? Did, you have a, did you have a favourite player back then? I was laughing, I'm saying. Yeah. So. <laughs> you the same? Yeah, I mean, I was Petrov. Yeah, I was a bit tough fan, but I mean Larson's the obvious one. But I know there's so many good players in that team. You always feel like I think everyone's always Larson. You always feel like you need to give a different answer because it's just like know, the it's stereotypical. Like, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I mean, that's that. a good one. I know, I yeah, yeah. Big Bobo as well. Aye, you know, Bobo, aye. So because been because been, been, been a set and a half. He always, always looked like uh, like me, Albie and all that. I was like, mm. I mean that kind of stuff. But it's <laughs> mean, uh, like the the, the but Larson's probably the obvious one. Yeah. When you look back then, like in your your time, kind of coming to games, or even if the games you, you didn't get to, are there any sort of games in particular that, that stand out to both of you that you kind of remember either being at or or watching? Uh, I mean the Barcelona game, it's a good one. The Massimo Donati last minute goes well as a brilliant one. Scott McDonald last minute against AC Milan. Yeah. Uh, I mean they ones definitely stand out. It's always the Champions League nights that stand yeah. out. United yeah. yeah. Aye. Uh, uh, stand out for me, but I was actually at Old Trafford when, when he scored the one. It was a few he scored at Old Trafford, was it? Yeah, he scored one at Old Trafford, uh, yeah, yeah. And then uh, I was, was there with my sister and my dad, I remember that, even though I wasn't here. But um, but as far as actual, I, I was probably saying United. Or the actual, I, the Barca game as well, when I went down and I had to, I was trying to get, I went right to the tunnel, I was waiting for them all to come out. <laughs> <laughs> so you were both kind of like a bit obsessed with Celtic then as the, as the years went on? Ah, I'm a big Celtic fan, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bit obsessed. But I think that is what, when, you, when you're brought up with it and that, it's just, that's who it is, you're just, you're just always around it, ah, you're always around yeah. it. But then it must be difficult now for you is that you're travelling so much, touring so much, so do you get much opportunities to get to the ground or to see the games? Or? 
I've not been to a game in a good while, just been too full on, but actually that's the next step is trying to get a game because we've got some time off, so hopefully we can get get back and come see some games. Yeah, are you always kind of still trying to watch games when you're travelling, or do you get much time to? I've actually watched the, the, the last Celtic Rangers game on the plane because it was delayed, so we're sitting there, both of us sitting and he's going like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, like, just first time and only time we've been uh, hoping for it to be delayed a wee bit longer so we can catch it. No, no. But, but we're always sitting on trains and that, like, trying uh, to catch the games. And uh, You must have watched games in some mad places uh, now. I mean, we watched the, we're in the Paris Celtic Sports Club. Uh, we watched the game in there because we're in Paris. and but so watched the game in Amsterdam too. Uh, but it's always used on your phone trying to... And you don't get as good an experience. No. <laughs> <laughs> refreshing it, that refresh button. A flag refresh here. <laughs> what have you? What have you made of the the recent team? Though in the last year and a half, things have been pretty good, haven't they? Been brilliant. I mean, Angie's unbelievable. It's just been the football we play is so good and so many good players. Uh, it's been brilliant. There's yeah. been some some difference. Uh, since, uh, do you think this has actually there? been one of the the most kind of like impressive Celtic teams in the last last so. year? I'd say so, definitely. Aye, it's the yeah, most exciting, the most exciting. Yeah. Aye, the exciting. So the football's always really good, and and uh, so many good signings. Aye. They're really driven as well. Like the, you know, like this passing at the back and that. It's just really forward football. So it's good, exciting to watch. You know what I mean, so. yeah. Well, hopefully you can you can get back and get to a few games in the in the near future because. Uh, yeah, it certainly has been exciting here. But no, guys, thanks so much for, for coming in and joining us. Really, really appreciate you taking out the time. And I know you are both both really busy. And all the best with the, with the future. Well, thanks, thanks for having us. us. No, no, thank amazing. you very much. Well, that was the guys with LF System. You can read the full interview only in the Celtic View. Um, two guys that Paul have, have had unbelievable success this year it's been amazing to, to see with them. Yeah, and I think that that's that's one of the things in, in the view that it, it, we've got something for everybody because I think it's maybe the benefits of having somebody younger in, in, <laughs> in the staff of, so obviously LF System is DJs that I wouldn't necessarily be familiar with. We also, you also spoke to Bems, who's, who's a rapper, who's a massive Celtic fan. Um, again, he came in here, you, you spoke to him, and then we also have Marley13, who's a kind of, a you. YouTube gamer who again who's who's absolutely massive who's big pals with with Kieran Tierney, and I think that's just that that kind of generational thing that maybe younger readers, younger Celtic fans will, will be aware of them, mainly maybe online, and um, but it's great. I, I think probably all of us, when somebody from a different kind of platform, whether it's music or, or whatever, when they declare their interest in Celtic, it's amazing how much you suddenly go, I really like them. <laughs> Do you know, I think the good thing about all the interviews as well is that they're not just a, a story of, okay, here's my career and, and here's Celtic. Each one of them have a really interesting story. So like Marley 13's got a brilliant one with, with Keen Tierney and, and playing Call of Duty games alongside him. Um, and they all have they all have a great story as well. So they're all well worth a read. Um, and the guys were brilliant as well when, when they came in. And uh, it, was, it was funny, they were kind of speaking off camera. I was saying to them about like, what's your what's your ambitions? You know, maybe one day you could you could do something here at Celtic Park, and they're both saying, oh, "Yeah, we'd love to do the Paradise Wonderful Draw." <laughs> <laughs> it's like what? They're like, "Yeah, like it's always been our dream to come out at halftime do the Paradise Wonderful." And it's like, right, okay, I thought maybe you might want to perform here or something a bit more musical. So make it happen. I'm sure we can. <laughs> I said that to them. I'm sure we can make it happen. So when they're, when they're free, and if you're listening now, we'll we'll try and make that happen. <laughs> um, Paul, there has been a bit of football. 
uh, over the over the last couple of weeks for the the B team and for the women's team. So just a kind of a bit of a roundup on on both of those. We'll we'll start off with the women's team. Um, the weekend there they had the Derby match. It was a, an 0 draw against Rangers. So that still keeps them um, three points off the top of the table. Um, still all to play for. They've got a big game this week as well against Dundee United on, on Sunday and kind of really pushing with, you know, there's no, no men's team game. It's a real opportunity to, to pack out the Excelsior Stadium as much as possible because it really will give the, the girls a massive boost for their chances of trying to trying to get their first league title. Um, obviously, they, they, had a, they had a defeat against Glasgow City, it must have been about a month ago now, but they're still in with a fight. They're still only three points off, and it's still a position that they'll, they'll be happy to be in. Yeah, and I think because they've still to play, I think Rangers another couple of times, they've still to play Glasgow City as well. So those three teams will take points off each other. I think the previous week, Glasgow City and Rangers drew. And I think we are the first team, I think, to, to prevent Rangers from scoring this season as well. And, you know, possibly could have nicked all three points although it, you know, it was a tough game it's you know that's as hard a game as you're going to get and I think it was important the team as you mentioned they did a couple of disappointing results and then probably the worst thing was they had a gap before they could play again which would have been frustrating for them they came back with the, the a really strong 3-0 victory over Hearts that was a big test for them the derby game and they came through that and you know combination of some brilliant goalkeeping but then also you know played really well and at the same could maybe have won the game towards the end and that will give them a real boost and as you say that that was an away game I think ideally what you're looking for when, when we're playing in the United at the Excelsior that there is no other Celtic games at the moment or the B team but there's not any first team games you know it's a it's a great opportunity I think for, for fans to get out I think there's going to be a lot going on in and around the game as well great activity for families chance to go and, and, and watch the Celtic team play so hopefully we get a, a good crowd as well to see, you know, what is, you know, a really, really strong team this season. Yeah, keep your eye out on the Celtic Women's social media page because there's going to be lots of content this week building up to that and, and get onto the Celtic website to look for, for tickets for the match on Sunday because I think the girls will, will really appreciate the support and trying to really pack out the Excelsior as much as possible with, with no men's first team game on at this moment in time. Um, the B team as well, they've, They've got a really busy schedule coming up. I think they're playing pretty much every midweek and, and weekend. And they had a crazy game at the, the weekend there against Caledonian Braves, finishing four each. Um, I think that goes down in, an enter, in the entertaining category. I think Dan O'Day even said that himself afterwards, even though they were leading 4-2 at one point. Yeah, I think he was lost for words, actually. And, and, and I'm not sure if that's as in... The, the extraordinary activity on the park or the fact that they were 4-2 yeah. and we conceded two penalties in the space of 60 seconds which it probably meant that he wasn't quite sure what he had he could <laughs> say about it um, certainly I think the second penalties there seemed to be a bit of uh, debate about it um, but yeah I mean, they are in the long league that's what I say <laughs> <laughs> um, well that's no guarantee <laughs> as, as we've seen from the, from the first team but yeah I mean I think it's a real test for the for the players, you know, we spoke about it before that, you know, Darren and, and, and Steve McManus have mentioned that they've felt, they've, seen, they've noticed a difference since we've come back from playing the youth league. Just, I think it's given them that benchmark of the standard that they need to attain if they want to, to get to the highest level and they've kind of kicked on domestically. But it's a challenge because, as you say, they're playing, 
you know, basically Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, right through to Christmas. So that that in itself for for young players, you know, that's quite a physically demanding. But you know, I'm sure that the coaches are saying, well, that's that's life at Celtic. You just you know you have to get used to that. Yeah, I think they're seventh at the moment in the table. Um, three points off second place, Sterling Uni, but with a couple of games in hand. So they're still in a, a strong position in the league, despite maybe some, some recent results as well. But this could be quite a crucial period, this, this Christmas period, with, with so many games to see. It's probably one of those periods where maybe the teams that get that extra training like Celtic do and have that extra fitness that might kind of see them through this extended period of football. Yeah, and I think, you know, we lost against Dunfermline a couple of weeks ago in that Trust Trophy, but by all accounts, particularly the second half, against a, a team that are looking to get promotion back to the Championship, that we were actually the better team. And think games like that and performances like that can only give them real confidence. And I'm sure that, you know, it's quite a young squad as well, and they'll all have to be utilised because of these demands. But I think any time, whenever we've interviewed players, and, and you kind of talk about the demands in the fixture list. I, I think they'd all still, they all admit they'd still rather be playing than just another day's training. So that's the, the upside of it. And, you know, very quickly, I think a few wins and then they'll, they'll move back up the table. Mm-hmm. Let's finish on our predictions game, Paul. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been in here. So I thought you'd stopped it since you were so far behind. <laughs> and I've actually pulled further behind as well. You, you pulled further a, ahead in the, the last couple of weeks. Um, last week we still took part in a game looking at World Cup fixtures. We'll, we'll do the same this week as well with, with seven more of the games. You got quite, you got a couple of the results right last week in the World Cup. So You sound surprised after all this time. I know, it's it's really frustrating me actually. <laughs> it's, it's really getting in my nerves. So at the moment I'm in, I'm in 30 points, the fans are in 33 and you're in 40 now. So you're 10 points ahead. I was... There was a couple of weeks ago I was starting to pull it back, but then you just went and extended that lead further. So we've got another seven fixtures in the World Cup games. Um, and if you want to take part in the predictions game, then please get in touch on our Celtic social media channels. Because if you do take part, then you enter into a competition to win a signed Celtic view as well. So uh, well worth getting your hands or trying to get your hands on, on one of those. Um, this week we've got Jane Smith playing for the supporters. So we're going to take seven games from this week's World Cup fixtures. Um, we're going to start off with Wales against England, which is Tuesday night. We're recording this Tuesday morning, just in case it doesn't roll into Wednesday before this comes out. Um, so what are your thoughts in, on that one? I'm going to go for 3-1 England. I think it's all, an all or nothing game for Wales, but I just I think England are too strong. I, I, I don't think they'll, from what I've seen already, I don't think they'll win the World Cup, but they have... Certainly going forward, they've got about four or five players that are all match winners. They can score goals. And I just don't think... The magic of Wales was particularly Bale and Ramsey, and it's it's not really clicked for them. I think maybe, you know, certainly maybe they haven't played enough football. Um, so I think England will, will win that game 3-1. Yeah, I think with Bale and Ramsey, they're just a couple of years on now, aren't they, from, from that magic that they had in in previous tournaments but because it is a game that they need to win maybe that might help Wales and they just go all out and it's you know only one thing in mind ah, yeah England obviously got a big win the first game against Iran second game against USA they were dreadful but kind of followed a similar pattern to the Euros where we drew with them 0-0 with Scotland in the second game and then they still managed to go into the final and it's 
sometimes these international tournaments, you, it's the teams that kind of flatter to deceive that end up going on to achieve things. Hopefully not. So <laughs> luck of the draw as well. I know. Who well, you, exactly. Who you, get, who you can get, yeah. So, um, Jens went for two wins at England. I'm going to go for two nil as well. I think not really been impressed with Wales at all in, the, in their two games as of yet. Um, and I think England will probably have enough. Um, so tried to pick some of the games that kind of have a, a lot of importance on them. So next up, we've got Poland against Argentina. Poland in four points. Argentina in three points. So Argentina. Need win to, to qualify. Yeah, I mean that that shock result when Saudi Arabia beat them. I mean it, that that must have uh, <laughs> seismic in terms of football, and, and I'm sure that there was a, there was a real nervousness when they played the next game, but they managed to win that. I think they win two one. I I I still think that they'll go far in the competition. You know, they it's not necessarily the teams whether it's the Euros or, or um, the World Cup. It's not necessarily the team that starts the most impressively that ends up being the team that wins it because it's a it's a it's a kinda obviously there's seven games and then once you get into the knockout stages and it just depends on the luck of the draw. I think they'll do enough to, to get through. I think they'll win two one and I, I think they'll go very, very far in the tournament. Mm -hmm. Uh Jens went for three 0 in that one. I've also went for I'd also went for two one, but I'll I'll change it just to, to be different from yourself and I'll go for two 0 um, I, I feel like with Argentina, I mean, obviously, I'm in the camp, I'm, I'm in the messy camp of the side of things, and I would love for him to go and do it. For him, I just I feel with him, I'm slightly worried that there's just so much pressure put on them, probably by their own country, that this is Messi's last opportunity to, to, act, to cement himself as the greatest of all time, potentially. And it's the last opportunity for this group of players to maybe go and do it. And I just worry it and that side of things. You saw it with Brazil a couple of World Cups ago when they hosted it and then they ended up getting dismantled in the semi-finals and everything just kind of fell apart. But I suppose that's the that's a sign of, of a team that can go in and win the World Cup. Can you handle that pressure? There's always pressure in Argentina. Um, but yeah, I really, I really hope they, they do it. But yeah, yeah, it'll be a big game because Poland have had a couple of results as well. So see how that one goes. Um, third match out of seven, going for Croatia against Belgium and for me I'm going to go for a 1-0 win for Croatia they've been really disappointed in Belgium this tournament I think they're a, they're a team that is a tournament too far for them and they've become a team where there's just a, a few individuals so the ball would go to Hazard or De Bruyne and they just hope some magic will happen they're missing Lukaku up front because he's not fit that makes a difference they played Morocco and it was almost as if Belgium were playing walking football, even when they were getting beat. I, I, I couldn't believe that a team that, that knew that that result could you know, effectively end their World Cup hopes. They just didn't seem to have urgency. Morocco outplayed them completely and thoroughly deserved to win. I think Croatia, what did you say, 1-0? 1-0, yeah. I'll, I'm going to go then 2-1 to Croatia. I think, I think just Croatia just does a wee bit more about them. And I... I it's almost as if the Belgians, you know, sometimes you see a team that's almost as if they're waiting to, to get beaten. You kind of feel it's the end of the line for that group of players and for, for Martinez as well. Mm -hmm. Jens went for two each in that game. Uh, but yeah, I, I agree with, with everything you say in, in that one with Belgium and with Croatia. The team obviously got Josip Janovic there. Um, I thought might have been falling into that category with, with Belgium, but then 
in the last game against Canada, they had such a bright start, but then they just then they actually showed their class in that game and they showed their quality and, and managed to to get a pretty comprehensive victory. So I think they're they're not over the hill yet with their players, and we've seen Modric here this season how, how good he is. So um, so yeah, one 0 creation that one. Um, fourth game, uh, I've got as uh, Japan against Spain. I think I think the. Spain will win that game. They have to win it. I think they'll win it 3-1. I also think Japan, I'm not sure psychologically, they'll be kicking themselves because they had a real opportunity after after beating Germany. I just, I presumed that they were going to beat Costa Rica, who'd obviously had a terrible start when they lost 7-0 to Spain. And I think, obviously, given what happened in the Spain-Germany game, Japan had won that game, they were through. And I think it was a real missed opportunity. And it was interesting, they changed the, the team. Maeda didn't play... And I'm not sure if, I, I just got that feeling as if they thought over the course of the game they would get one chance and they would win. And I, I'm not sure if they underestimated Costa Rica. I think it will really haunt them because I think Spain will beat them. I think Germany will beat Costa Rica and I think Japan will go out and they should be through. Yeah, yeah. I've been, been impressed with Spain and the football they play. I, I was going to say that, you know, maybe just lacking that killer touch, but they did score seven against Costa Rica, so... That would maybe go against that, but definitely the game against Germany, they just seem to lack that kind of bit of penetration in the in the final third. Um, but I think I'm going for Spain 3-1 and Jen's going um, for 1-0 as well. Um, the other game in that group as well, Costa Rica against Germany, I think that's another one to, to maybe pick out because you just don't know with Germany. I mean, I'm not being impressed with Costa Rica at all, but you just have no idea with them. But my, my fear, kind of to your point earlier on, I think Germany, that late equaliser they got from Spain, rescued their tournament. I think if they'd lost the game, they probably would have been out and it would have surprised me if like, Spain-Japan had ended up with a draw. I think it's given them a real fright. I think they'll be too strong. They've got enough good players that they'll beat Costa Rica. And then when you get into the knockout stages, I mean, if I still think if you were another team, you'd be thinking, well, we could, we've had our chances against Germany. But then once you get into the knockout stages, you just never know. Mm-hmm. They're not a great team. They've got some good players in the team but again there's maybe when you look at the team again there's a few players that are right at the very end of their kind of international career and they've really struggled so far but I think they'll be too strong for Costa Rica they've had a real fright but I think they'll do enough to get through Prediction for that one? Um, I'm going to go for 3-0 to Germany I'm going to go for a I'm going to go for a shock because there's been shocks in this tournament and one of these seven games is bound to be a shock and I'm going to go for a Costa Rica win. Controversial. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to say 2-0 to Costa Rica. 2-0? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, my, my, actually, my only reasoning for this is because it's, it mirrors completely Germany's tournament in 2018, which in the last game they lost 2-0 to South Korea. So that's, that's kind of my main reasoning for it. They ended up getting the result against Sweden with a last-minute goal that everyone thought, right, that's it. We saved their tournament because they lost their first game um, against Mexico. Um, and it's like, right, we'll save our tournament, we'll win our next game and we'll go through and they didn't. Um, South Korea didn't have anything to play for. So I'm basically just going off that. doesn't matter about Costa Rica at all. It sounds good to me. Basically just going off that. Um, but Jen's going for, uh, for 3-0 for Germany. That one. Um, so two more. Um, Ghana against Uruguay, which is a grudge match from 2010 with that Luis Suarez handball. Um, both teams, Ghana got a win, so they're, they're in three points. Uruguay are in 
one point at the moment. I think that's right, because they lost um, against Portugal. Um, so they definitely need to win. I think Ghana are going to do it in this one, though. I think they're going to win 3-2, a bit like their, their last game as well. And I think it could be a bit back and forth, because the Uruguay game against Portugal, they didn't come out at all until they had to, and then they actually looked quite impressive. So they'll be hopefully they'll be going for it from the start, but I think Ghana might just do it. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely... I think the one thing you're guaranteed there's going to be goals in that game because what they've shown in their two games is they, they're capable of scoring goals but they will definitely give the other team chances so they're not the strongest defensively. I think Uruguay have been really disappointing. It's kind of similar to Argentina only came alive when they changed the formation slightly in the personnel and, and had a better shape. And Uruguay, I can't remember the, the boy who played on the right wing who came on the place for Manchester United. The young guy who, who suddenly gave them a sense of urgency. The problem is, you know, Cavani and Suarez are in, in their day great strikers, but you know, and they're capable of scoring goals. But again, they're the two of them. I think are both thirty-five, and Uruguay, they look quite tidy in the ball without really looking that dangerous. And I, I, I agree with you. I think I'm going to go for, I'll go for two-one to, yeah. to Ghana. Okay. Jen has went for 2-1 to Uruguay in that one. And finally, Serbia against Switzerland. And again, the reason for picking this one is both teams need to uh, to get a result to get something. But also, in the last World Cup, they two had a bit of a, a ding-dong with, with one another. Um, I think it might have been like a last 16 game, uh, which Switzerland won 2-1 late on, and it caused all sorts of trouble because Shakiri scored on some, a political gesture and things. So there's a lot of kind of hatred between those two nations with this one, so it should be quite an interesting one. Um, but one that I'm going with Serbia to edge 2-1. One. Interesting. I mean, I think they'll be kicking themselves. They ended up drawing 3 each in a game mm-hmm. which they, 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 they was out of sight for them. They, you know, they went 3-1 up and they, they should have won that game. And I think that would have put them in a different position. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say Switzerland or 1-2-1. I think they're one of these, they're one of these teams kind of similar to a team like Denmark, that they generally get to these tournaments, they're always quite difficult to beat. More often than not, they go out of the groups and then they just get knocked out. Mm-hmm. But they, I think they'll do enough to, to see off Serbia. Yeah. I think, I, yeah, I mean, if Switzerland will be the favourites for that one. As you said, they've, they've kind of got a history of constantly getting out of group stages, so you would expect them to do it this time around. But I think we were chatting about it watching Serbia and the, the team, they just look like 11 guys that are just there to battle. You know, and just ready to put their body in the line. And I think, <laughs> considering what happened in the the last time they played each other and all the tensions that will be in that game, I think you could see this kind of big battling performance from them, and they go through. But Jens also went for a Switzerland win as well, one 0 uh, with that one. So that that rounds up the seven games. It's, show, it's been it's been a decent World Cup so far. There've been some shocks, which is, which is always good. There's been a couple of big ones now as well. So. Hopefully it just starts to kick into gear now in these last few games. Yeah, and I think once once it gets into the knockout stages as well, and it's a different thing, it will go one or two ways. It'll either be knockout games where it's very tense, not many goals, and they go to penalties, or else teams are just going to go for it. And I hope it's the, obviously the latter, because then I think it makes for a better tournament. And when you have, I'm hoping teams like Morocco and these teams that go through, that are maybe not used to getting too often into the knockout stages they look a really good team actually they might be one of the teams that surprises people and I think if you're looking I'm not sure if teams would want to face a team like Morocco who obviously have a massive support behind them as well have real confidence 
and, and that actually that there's a lot of quality players. So they might be a team that, that gets quite, there's always usually one that gets quite far in the tournament that, that takes everybody by surprise. Mm -hmm. and, and it wouldn't surprise me if, if a team like that do it. Yeah. I mean, since we're on predictions, have you got a, a prediction for the actual winner? Not that we're putting any points on it, but. I mean, before the unless tournament. I, unless what I say is right, <laughs> and then I can add some more points to my tally. Before the tournament, I, 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 I think I, I thought Argentina would have a real good chance. Mm -hmm. In terms of the Europeans, I think partly because we've got an office sweepstake and I've got Portugal, I, th I think out of the European teams, I quite fancy Portugal. I think there's Ronaldo's obviously the focal point, but when you actually look at their, their squad, they've got a lot of really good players throughout the team that actually I could see them again getting really far in the tournament. Yeah, France as well have been, been good. I worried with them before the tournament was the injuries that they've had, but they've been, they've been really impressive so far. Still just want to. I'd, I'd love Argentina to do it for Messi. I'd, I'd love it to happen, but history tells us of late that it's been the European teams that, that have done it. We've not. I don't think Europe has too many strong teams. Probably Portugal and France being the the two strongest. And um, but then you just never know with, with tournament football how it, how it can go and and who you can get in the, the latter stages. But hopefully we get an exciting kind of finale to the tournament anyway. But for now, thanks very much for joining us, Paul, and, and thank you for for listening. And we'll be back again next week round up more of what's going on at Celtic and to give you more of what's inside the Celtic view and make sure you, you head down to Celtic store or online to grab yourself a copy. But for now, thank you for joining.